0: Good morning. That song was perfect because this message this morning is all about love, Jesus' love. I thought it was perfect when Christy prayed. uh, Instead of sowing opinions, sowing love, preaching love. And uh, last Sunday when we were in Philemon, and we are in Philemon today, and we'll be in Philemon, Lord willing, James 4.15, next Sunday, and the first Sunday of August, too. So, uh, And who knows, maybe the second Sunday of August. I'm really enjoying Philemon. I hope that you are reading Philemon. There's just so, so much there as we reflect upon the letter on Paul, on Philemon, and Onesimus. And as you know the letter is to Philemon, a very prominent member of the church in Colossae. We know if we know uh, the New Testament a little bit, we know about the church uh, and the letter of Paul to the Colossians. Well, that's where Philemon lived, and it is there that he has owned a slave. I talked about slavery during the Roman Empire last Sunday. I'll talk about it some more next Sunday. In fact I really wrestled with um, how to arrange what I wanted to talk about this morning and I'm just going to look at the first seven verses so when we get into the middle of the letter next Sunday I'm going to bring in a little bit more that I know you will find quite interesting. But the basic details are that Philemon who probably had more than one slave, as was not uncommon in the Roman Empire. And this one slave, Onesimus, ran away. He found his way to Paul. And he came to know the Lord Jesus through Paul. And now Paul is writing the letter on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon. And conventions were in those days are such that there's a lot of common ground with our own experience because there are things that we take for granted, assume, that are very much a part of the everyday world. They're acceptable. Um, they're things that we're used to doing. And in this particular case, because of what God has done in the life of Onesimus and Philemon, Paul is calling them to love and the love of Jesus Christ and he is calling Philemon to see Onesimus through the eyes of the Lord that is through the eyes of what Christ has done and how God sees Onesimus. He wants Philemon to see that too. And you know it's hard to do things that you've never done before. And so I see us being stretched as we think about our own lives because God is doing something incredible in this world through Jesus Christ in you. And for those things to take place, you have to be open to new beginnings and possibilities through what Christ is doing in you and through you. And that's really parallel to what's taking place here as Paul writes to Philemon. We looked at verse 16 last week, and in verse 16, Paul writes that Onesimus is no longer. Uketi is the Greek word. You can even read that Greek word. It, it looks very much or enough like English. Uketi. It means no more, no longer, no further, and thus not now. No more. No longer, no further, and thus not now. And Paul says. He is no longer a slave. He is more than a slave. He's a beloved brother, both in the flesh and in the Lord. That is a radical new condition, new status, new standing, new rank. And it's a challenge for Philemon because he doesn't just have to work through it conceptually. I mean, if I were in a beauty pageant and you asked me what my dream was, I would say world peace. Conceptually, we want these wonderful, beautiful things. We want a Garden of Eden. We want a utopia. But the reality of influencing a world very much less than that. The people in our own circle of life. That calls for a greater love in us. Not just for our benefit but at work in us and through us. In Jesus Christ, we're called to do that and be Christ-like. And this, although it's going to run contrary to Philemon's past, his upbringing, the way his city, the way the state, the way in fact the whole world looked at slavery at that time, it's going to call him to make some great changes. And in Christ everything does change. We just have to catch up with that change in how we see ourselves and how we see others. To see as God sees through Christ. Last week uh, I had us read 2 Corinthians. I believe, I'm of the opinion that Paul is In prison, not in Rome at this time, but in Ephesus, which is much closer than Rome. Rome was a thousand miles away. Ephesus um, was about a hundred miles away. And uh, even later in this letter, Paul says, prepare a room for me because uh, I I hope to come to you quickly. Well, a hundred miles is a lot easier to travel than a thousand And it would make sense also if Onesimus found Paul in Ephesus in prison. We have no evidence of Ephesians imprisonment, but I think he's there. <laughs> that's, that's just the sense that, that I get of it. But it doesn't make any ultimate difference to how we get the impact, except if he is in prison in Ephesus, we remember when we went through the book of Acts, that uh, when he was in Ephesus, he hadn't yet written Second Corinthians. And if he was in Ephesus and this was taking place during that time, then this issue of bringing reconciliation is something very much on his heart and mind, not both in what Christ has done, but in how God is at work in the very experience of, of his own life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses Verses sixteen. I wanted to read this again. I keep Second Corinthians five, starting with verse sixteen. From now on, therefore. We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer, Uketi. And because we regard him no longer according to the flesh, we see everything differently. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is is a new creation. The old has passed away, Each and every one of us has the work of reconciliation taking place in us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is reconciling the world to God. That's why Paul can write in his letter to the Ephesians that Jesus is our peace, reconciling the two, and in there he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. In other words, God's people of the Old Testament and everybody else making the two one new man, he says. One new person. We are all new people in Jesus Christ. Paul can say things like, put off the old person and put on the new. And who is that new person? But Jesus Christ, the person that we are, our identity in him, the power of Jesus in our life through the Holy Spirit, the work of God taking a preeminent place in our life, our thinking, our influence through Jesus Christ. But it's not just so that we can know forgiveness of sins. It's not just that we can be reconciled with God. That reconciliation emanates. Jesus in us wants us to be reconciling forces in this world, in His power, in His name, through His Spirit. That's what faith initiates but its expression is love. God's love. Here in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 through 19, which I just read, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here in Philemon, God was in Paul reconciling Onesimus and Philemon. And Paul's asking Philemon in this letter to think about the world in which he is living and operating through faith in Jesus Christ in a new way with reference to something that has come to his house. Something on his doorstep and that is How he will deal with a runaway slave. Next week, I'll show you some examples of how other men of the time dealt with runaway slaves and how they dealt with it was contemporary. This is radical. Paul's asking Philemon to think in new ways, ways that others around him will not lead the way, will not set the example, will not encourage, will not support. Will Philemon have the courage, will he have the faith, will he have the love to do what God in Paul is calling him to do? Last Sunday, we looked at verse 16, no longer a slave, more, much more, a beloved brother. And that is why in Christ, no longer, and no longer is real for us in Christ, no longer means new beginnings, new possibilities. That's going to be our theme for this letter What could possibly, think with me a moment, what could possibly make a difference in this situation? The answer is love. Not just whimsical, romantic, violin-accompanied, moon-shining-on love, but real love that gets down to the brass tacks of reconciliation of even self-subordination, of self-denial in the interests and welfare of another. And it can all be done because the vision to us and the reality to us is very close to home because it's what has happened in us through Jesus Christ. We, who were estranged, who were sinners beyond the pale. We know reconciliation. We know God's love in Jesus Christ. Of course, if love is going to make a difference, we need a big, big love and that's the love of Jesus. It changes us from the inside out. And it starts with knowing that we are loved by God in a way that will never change because his love is unconditional. And we know the depth and the value of his love when we see Jesus on the cross. But it's not just to death, it's to life. And we see that also in the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the exaltation of Jesus. These are important theological truths That must be like a rudder in our lives to help us navigate the waters of life. There are many winds blowing in every direction, but if we have our hand on the rudder of Jesus Christ in our lives, it will determine our conduct and our thinking and the way we see the world, and it will bring us into concert, into harmony with Jesus Christ the true Jesus Christ, not the Christ of the culture or of people's fancy, but the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the parables, the Jesus of the gospels, the Jesus that Paul preaches, the Jesus that has changed our lives. And that same Jesus has to be effective in our hearts through faith in dealing with the day-to-day stuff of our lives, or else we're going to be left standing at the line of reconciliation, passive in the gratitude and thanks that God has saved us, but not aware and moving with God in the fact that he wants to work through us and make a difference in the lives of those around us, in word and deed. And the point of the spear is love. There's many times that we don't think we need that love. And when we do think we need it, it's just for us. God, I need your love. I need your assurance. I need your forgiveness. That's only half of it. You'll never know that love as you should until that love starts to work through you in our homes, at school, in work, in every area of our lives. Not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. And we'll never get it. We'll never get that love. We'll never understand it fully until we start to love. And still, until we start doing the everyday kind of things we do, like the Ever Ready Bunny, just kind of working along, until that love starts to change the way we talk, the way we act, the way we see our world and the world that's out there through the eyes of others and television and social media. And you know that in the study, listen very carefully to this. In the study of humans, psychology says that each person has a deep need for two things. Security and significance. Do you know what satisfies those two needs? The love of Jesus Christ, the love of God through Jesus Christ. That's a security that no one can take away. And significance, that also is satisfied by the love of Jesus Christ because the love of Jesus Christ isn't just for us to be sated in the happiness of knowing that God loves us and forgives us. That love is meant to make a difference in the way we live our lives in the world, in our relationships. Think about it. To know God loves me, that, that I'm put on the same footing with his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in worth and value. What does that do to our sense of worth and security? If you don't fathom that, and often we don't because we don't work at it. If you don't fathom that, you won't appreciate the security that is ours in Jesus Christ. But the second thing is so important because significance. Every person wants to make a difference. In fact, happiness studies will tell you it's not the pursuit of happiness, it's the pursuit of meaning. If you live a meaningful life, you'll know happiness. How could you know a more meaningful life than a life that loves others? Not just through your own, our own pitiable impotent love but through the love that empowers inspires energizes and encourages us in Jesus Christ a love beyond us a love that has changed our hearts itself a love that we know that we can't wear out or run away from a love that will always be there a love that was demonstrated in laying down his precious son for us. That kind of love, when you put that out there and you start loving other people like that, that's leading a meaningful life. You'll know happiness, you'll know purpose, you'll know intention. And that's what Paul is talking about in, and I'm putting this in 21st century language, what he's talking about to Philemon. And I want us to see that as we read Philemon verses 1 through 7. So let's go to Philemon. It's right before Hebrews. If you get to that big book of Hebrews, it's right past 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. And then there's just one page, Philemon. Now there's a greeting in the first three verses. Paul a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, that's his wife, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, that's his son, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's what's called the Thanksgiving prayer, and Paul always opens his letter with a prayer of thanksgiving. Often things that are said here will be also repeated in the body of the letter. And we find that true here. There are seven words here that will occur again in the balance of the letter, starting in verses 8 to the end. Here's what he says, and I want you to hear this. Listen to the words faith and love. And just remember, faith is always in Jesus Christ. We can put our faith in lots of things, but when Paul uses faith, he's talking about a faith, a trust, commitment, and devotion to Jesus Christ. And when he talks about love, he's not just talking about any kind of love. He's talking about the love that we know in Jesus Christ that comes from faith that's realized by faith in Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. I want us to see something in verse four, and I put this in the personal language of Paul, but I've kind of just helped us to see what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, Philemon, you caused me to thank God in my prayers. Now, what kind of a guy like that causes a person to give thanks? What would cause Paul to give thanks? I don't think Paul's just using rhetoric. I think he's appealing to things he knows about Philemon. And we know he's in prison, whether it's in Ephesus, as I think, or, or Rome, which is a thousand miles away. But it's there that he's also hearing. And by the way, it was when Paul was in Ephesus that he led Philemon to a faith in Jesus Christ and a changed life. You know what the answer to the question I asked is? The next verse. What would cause Paul to give thanks? And by the way, These are the things for which people should give thanks in their prayers for you. Have you given thanks for a person? A lot of times when we give thanks in our prayers, it's for things going our way and things that we wanted to happen that, you know, make life smoother and make life better and help us to accomplish our individual dreams and hopes. And those are all very worldly pursuits, Those are things that are triggered by worldly aspirations. But if we are really looking at things through the eyes of the Lord, we have an understanding of the real qualities and value of what is good. What is good? Good in the richest sense. And that's what Paul's referring to. In fact, he'll refer to it again in verse 6. But here, he says, you are known for your love and faith. I want us to show us something about verse 5. This is is the content of verse 5. The love, the faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and unto all the saints. That's what we call a chiasm. It's an inversion. So you see, if you just look at the lines as they're lined up, those things parallel or equal or go together would be even better. The love, well, it's unto all the saints. The faith, that's toward the Lord Jesus. That's what he has. But the really important connection between love and faith here is shown by the way Paul writes this part of what he give thanks gives thanks for Philemon's love and faith love and faith are intertwined in Jesus Christ Love for the Saints and faith in Jesus Christ are intertwined and the two make one Christian. We're not a complete Christian without faith and love. Faith in Jesus and love toward the saints, and when I say that, that doesn't mean that we don't have love for those who aren't the saints. The saints are the devoted ones, those who are devoted to Jesus Christ. Paul uses the, the word saints, which literally translates holy ones. You and I are holy in Jesus Christ. We're set apart unto God. We are his children, his people, and we belong not only to him, but because we belong to him, we belong to one another. And we're supposed to be fostering that in a beautiful way that the world can see a glow in the church. And tragically, The church is parodied in the world because it's so full of infighting. The world should look at the church and say, that's love. That bonifies, that validates, that guarantees, that demonstrates. The love of God in Jesus Christ, the way they forgive one another, the way they are merciful to each other, the way they help one another, the way they resolve conflicts between each other. But that's not what we see. But that's what Paul is saying, I give thanks for and I see it in you Philemon. You cause me to thank God in my prayers. You are known for your love and faith and then in verse 6 your faith causes me to pray that it will increase. All the translations of this verse change a little bit because it's very Dense. When I was a kid, we used dense to say you're kind of a numbskull, or you're you're not very smart, or you're kind of goofy. But dense actually means that it's compact, and there's a lot here. Paul speaks of the koinonia, the partnership of your faith, the partnership, the partnership. Do you know partnership in your life on any level? Have you been a partner with somebody? Sometimes when we're involved in team activities, we have a sense of partnership. This is a partnership in which people are equals in the the status In the identity, in the purpose, in the cause of who they are and what they're doing. And Paul says this koinonia, this. Some translate it fellowship. One translation calls it sharing of your faith. Well, that's misleading because when we say, well, are you sharing your faith? We're talking about evangelism. This isn't talking about evangelism. This is about the kind of body life that is ours in Christ that that he says, Philemon, this comes with your faith. This is an extension of, this is a, a... part of your faith and he prays that his faith, the fellowship that comes with, goes with his faith, he says that it might be in some translations say effective. The word effective has to do with something that is, well it's potent. Like a medicine that it's full strength. You don't want a medicine like sometimes you have some old pills. Well, you have to throw them out after a certain day because they're too weak. They don't do what they're supposed to do anymore. But this is a word that says that pill is potent. He says, I'm praying that your faith will be potent that you might know, that you might discern each and every good that is at work in us into Christ. And that's why they usually translate that for the sake of Christ. It is dense, but the point is very clear. Philemon, your love and faith is standout. But now you're gonna be stretched in a way that you're gonna have to love in a a way you've never had to love before. And your faith is gonna have to be potent for you to do that. It's gonna have to see what God is doing. It's gonna have to be open to the fact that God can work through you in ways that perhaps you've never been tested. And that is right where we are often at in in our lives when things go wrong or when we run across a person that isn't cooperative or or is frustrating or even a spouse sometimes there are all kinds of things in our relationships to which this kind of thing applies and in effect Paul's prayer for you and me would be that your faith would be strong to recognize every good that is in the purpose of what God is doing through you for and in and through the Messiah. And the final thing I want us to appreciate, your love affects me. That's what Paul says. Do you see that in verse 7? It's really beautiful. He says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love. Well, that may not be the way we would talk about it. But when you step back and you think, what is he saying? He's saying, your love affects me. Your love for the saints brings joy to me. What kind of good do you have to value for someone else's love of Christians to bring you joy? That's a a different kind of seeing good, isn't it? See? See? He says, it brings me joy and encouragement. And then notice this word here, because the hearts of the saints, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. What does refreshed mean? Well, it means to lay down and get some rest and then rise up again refreshed. (laughs) Now, this is a, what we call a figure of speech because Paul is saying, in effect, Philemon, the people around you are inspired by you. They're energized by you. Your life lifts them up. Your love lifts them up. It energizes them, it inspires, it, 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 it kind of breathes new life into them. Or, kind of like as Brian said through that quote from Spurgeon, you could just wear your everyday regular face, which looks like hell. So, the message is clear, is it not? God's saying to Philemon, Philemon, if you're going to do the next great thing that God has in store for you, that he wants to do through you, you who are just (laughs) a glowing, influential, energizing guy, you're going to have to step up your faith and love in ways you've never loved before. And that's a pretty good message for us all each and every day. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. You know, as I, as I uh, say the amen and we say it together, I'm going to be up here along with the pastoral staff and uh, elders and their wives. And if you would like to come and pray with us about anything that the Lord has touched you about, maybe there is a specific situation in your experience, your everyday life, in which you have realized here that I need to be a reconciler. I need to be, as far as I am able, loving in this situation and bringing about God's, through God's redemptive love, I need to be bringing about God's ends and purposes in this situation as best I can, as far as I can go. And that may stretch you, and you may wanna pray about that. Maybe it's to pray on behalf of somebody else. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ, and you don't know this love that offers us such solid security and significance and the completeness of life that is ours through him. If you would like to come and pray about that, come. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. You're, you're so you're inspiring. It lifts our hearts, reminds us who we are, shows us who we can be in Jesus Christ. And we love you for it, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, God bless you.